Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroot was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers Download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass. Here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Welcome to another edition of the iRacers Download from the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass. Taylor Burris here along with Justin Prince and, of course, our producer, Mr. Richard Colbreth. As Justin, a lot of things have been happening in the world of iRacing. Of course, the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. We had the Spa 24 this past weekend, World of Outlaws Racing, Off-Road Racing, but I think the biggest news that we are going to delve into today is the brand new July 2023 development update that our very own Greg Hill just announced yesterday. And I have to say, out of all the development updates that we have seen coming in these past few couple of months we've been hearing, this one here is probably the biggest update, development update in a long time. Especially since we're not talking about just word count, but also announcements packed into one entire development update cycle. Because normally, for those who do not know, Greg Hill is one of the developers at iRacing who works on a lot of stuff, especially when it comes to sharing things as well that he's working on on the projects at iRacing. Usually shares it on what's now called X, formerly known as Twitter or still called as Twitter, depending on where you are in the world. However, usually that only usually is about a couple screenshots every couple months. This time, it's a full post of around 5,000 words where he's been allowed to go full detail into just about everything, from the rumored tracks like Portimo, Misano, Magello, as well as Puka, Hoke, as well as Lenidon and Zanvort but also confirming when there's some of these tracks are coming out, like the modern days in Fort and Kern County, a part of being its most imminent projects on the pipe. And it really is, Justin. What we're going to do for this first segment, though, is break down this entire development update, because this is something that is full of exciting news, and it's going to get even more fun for us with the builds and seasons to come. To talk about, of course, yes, we are going to be seeing a lot more tracks from Europe and this coming few builds here. Of course, the ones that we talked about, Portimao is one, Mazzano, Mugello, Pukoe, which is in New Zealand, uh, Ledadon, and of course, the brand new updates to Zanvort 
And then also another European circuit, which is none other than Navarra, which is a track located in Spain. Uh, Justin, let's get a quick thoughts on what your thinks, thoughts on with these couple of brand new European style tracks, as well as the track in New Zealand, which is going to be shut down at the end of the year, but still saved due to the fact of iRacing. We talked in depth a lot about the track in New Zealand. Apologies on the first mar- pronunciation on that part, but it's important on the her- historic preservation part, as I touched upon for that circuit. Now, the argument, and it's a great point to mention, with a lot of the tracks, some tracks you may not think of, such as some of those in Spain. Okay, I'm not sure about this track. Here's the thing. It's big to add to that diversity because it's like saying, okay, if you're from Europe, what is this small racetrack in the U.S., like U.S. International's Raceway? So essentially, it's a way to add to the country's very diverse rosters where you don't have just one or two per country out of the United States. You're not just U.S. focused. You have a worldwide sim, and you may as well, or very smartly should have, worldwide racetracks. As in, for every country, you have just about the variety of wide variety of circuits available. That's my thought. It really is exciting, and of course, there is a little more information. In fact, they're actually going to be revisiting the UK and also expanding into new areas of Asia. And Justin, I mean, when I heard about this, this opens up a lot of doors. I talked to a couple of my associates on other shows about how we could see some tracks in the UK that much needed tracks such as Croth would be an interesting one to add from the UK circuit. Uh, Asia, you're looking at tracks such as Singapore. You're looking at, of course, Sepang, Malaysia. Even if you look at it more towards Shanghai or even in the Middle East, such as Abu Dhabi, Yas Marina, and of course, even the one in Bahrain. And then, of course, Australia, which one of those tracks we touched on going into New Zealand. But they're also, it's great to hear that they're visiting those circuits in finishing up the UK's major, which is a major playing point for a lot of iRacers. And then, of course, Asia, which is an area that is really untouched by iRacing. Yeah, and I think it's critical to mention that some of the various series iRacing has car groupings with or some of the top series from the real world who have virtual equivalents. They don't have all those tracks on iRacing yet. You mentioned Abu Dhabi, for example. That comes up with the 24-hour series that comes to memory. So that's a big-time part to say, okay, if we have a partnership with X Group, it's time to get into expanding to at Y markets to be able to accommodate, if not add those fan presences and fan bases, their respective racetracks, but also having whatever series this platform has for sanctioning racetracks. Because to put it, into perspective, Taylor, it's hard to have a full network of respective series onto a platform if you don't have their whole circuit schedule. It certainly is. And of course, you think of a lot of series, you think of Formula One, where we are missing quite a bit of the Formula One calendar because most of those circuits are located in the Middle East and in Asia, which are much needed circuits that need to be added if we want to follow the Formula One calendar, per se, or even the GT series that we see, such as maybe British GT, uh, as well as also SRO GT World Challenge of Asia, and even Europe a little bit more frequently. 
Uh, of course, Zanvort and another track which we touched on, Kern County, are going to be the most imminent projects coming in September of 2023. And a little bit more information regarding with a couple of our American circuits. Short track racing such as Slinger Speedway and Winchester Speedway are in production. So, and Kern County, we touched on, is also going to be on pace for the September release. And then, of course, a little bit of information regarding dirt oval racing and off-road racing. Wheatland and Lucas Oil Road are looking to be added on to the iRacing list of tracks, which is something exciting because, really, we, they kind of stepped away from that kind of program for the past couple of builds. Past couple of years, it's almost felt like outside of the Rallycross circuit, so I think that's important to be able to touch upon especially some of the various developments with some of those dirt tracks in the United States, especially in the imminent future. So it's important on the historical preservation front, I think, but also in terms of adding more depth to what you have, because it's, it's kind of the more underutilized part of the platform when you look at things. But I find it more, more intriguing as well from at least the viewpoint of the short track side where – that also stalled out for a fair bit of time, Taylor. Slinger, a big track to have. Winchester, a huge track to have. And there's the one bullet point that's at the end of the sentence, additional short ovals in terms of their car planning underway. And when you think about the various classes of cars that are not on the short track scene, outside of the major top-tier short track cars, there actually are some various paths they can go to, especially since... You still have some of the more rookie cars like the street stocks that haven't been touched upon in 10 years. Yep, which, of course, Dale Jr. has mentioned that they are planning to update the street stock here in the coming months. Another car, I'm in fact, me and a couple of friends were talking about, there is such things as the Outlaw Late Models. You also have Super Modifieds, which are a little bit more prone up towards the northeast, but still a very high-powered racing vehicle to watch on the short track scene. And there's so many other ones that maybe we have never heard of, at least in amongst our community, but are a major stay in certain parts of either certain parts of the U.S. or even in other parts of the world. I mean, one thing I can think of is, you know, until recently, you know, Legends cars are used quite frequently over in Europe, in the U.K. and Ireland, when it comes to their grassroots racing. So who's not to say we could see some short tracks and short road courses that are utilizing the Legends cars over in Europe that could we see added on to the iRacing platform? I agree. And the other part that comes to mind, though, is have you ever heard of a bone stock? I have not, actually. Do tell. Do you know? Basically, it's also the name for a four-baner, as some people may call in the short track scene, in the short track scene in the United States, where you basically knock out of the windows, out of the doors, and the front and the back, basically strip out all the car components outside of the major motor, the brakes, tires, etc., and just race around the track in that. That's also a layer if you go to the beginner route where if you don't have a Legends program available, this is what happens here in Canada, for example, the first place you go is a bone stock. You can pick one up for $3,000 on average. Takes about $5,000 for the season, give or take. 10000 at the very top peak. You just go out and have fun, and you can also win prize money that way in real-life racing. If there's a way iRacing can make two or three generic options of that one type of class with quote-unquote the most popular types like a Chevrolet Cavalier or 
let's say, a generic, very generic-looking monster or something like that, they might be able to try and replicate that pretty quickly if they haven't thought about that route. Another car, if you come to think about it, that goes hand-in-hand hand with the Legends Racing, Justin, also, is Bandoleros. If, especially here in the Charlotte, North Carolina, Atlanta areas, you know, you'll know you definitely see those types of cars being used quite regularly alongside the Legends cars. So a lot of things to keep in mind in that scene. But a little bit of news regarding Zanvoort and Kern County. So for those of you who are wanting to purchase Kern County, also realize, well, there's dirt track there at Kern County. So are they going to be two separate tracks that you have to buy? Or are they going to come as a combined package? Well, the answer is it's going to be a combined package. You get both the pavement oval and the dirt oval in one package, which will cost about $11.95, which is really a great deal for both anyone who just loves racing on the short track scene. Yeah, that's going to help in terms of the cost-wise, especially to be able to combine that together. Also adds an extra dirt option for drivers to be able to race upon. I think on top of that root of things, there also is the mention, there's a bunch of artwork being done for some of the racetracks, like Brands Hatch, you mentioned, Okayama, Alton Park, or some of the older artwork tracks on the platform that have been updated since they've been essentially put up and put there. You also have, importantly for their partnerships, the NASCAR and Oval tracks getting those art updates, which are critical because tracks like Darlington have been updated since around 2011-ish. It's been a while for some of the circuits on iRacing to get the proper scans done and to be able to get themselves upgraded to proper specs in art, which makes it a little more of a contrast now compared to, say, the Nashville Super Speedway type of scans on the NASCAR circuit. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how those artwork updates will come into play. We saw some pictures from Greg Hill with this update that are really exciting to see. I'm looking forward to seeing how they play out with this, with the new updates, with the art development, and seeing how it will play out in adding some more additional graphics to enjoy the sim in pretty much all aspects of racing on there. And a couple of other things as well that they touched on is that they're also working on some of their animation. Uh, more directed towards the pit stop cycles for the GT3 and sports car and endurance racing, which will be, I think, a more intricate game changer for pit stops and endurance races when we see that coming to play. Going to help be, make sure there's those different forms of animations together. That's going to be important, I think, to mention to be able to keep that up. Also, an important thing to mention, speaking of the tires and physics, it was touched upon as well in the next paragraph, actually that there's been a lot of discussion on the tire model, and that has always been a heated topic, Taylor, since, really, we both first jumped to the platform years and years ago. It's gone through a couple iterations since then. But, apparently, there's now the reports of things like tire deformation models, having tire caucuses have some torsional deflection, as in, start to fall apart. Contact patch, the what the contact patch is, what Part of the tire is contacting the racetrack, fixing that properly, getting the physics right, getting the way the heat builds proper, getting the physics rates together, getting the finite ailments in those tires together, getting the treads together. All of that is so complex, and it causes a lot of heads to spin because it's not as simple as, is there a tire code we can copy? No, it's not as simple. You're talking about basically having to learn an entire programming team have to learn how the physics for tires work. And 
I'm curious on that, especially to see if that iteration comes to fruition in the near future. It's going to be intriguing of how this will play out and how this will basically change the game of the entire world of oval racing and sim racing for a lot of the drivers. Because if you think of it, when it comes to a brand new tire update, all those setups that these drivers work so hard to build will completely be changed and basically back to the drawing board of how to get fast again. Well, the major thing is multi-group racing is such a major talking point when it comes to the need to bring that towards that mark. But here's the part that people keep forgetting is with the previous model, prior to the current version on the oval side, you basically had to light the tires on fire with the right front to be able to get that multi-groove racing. And that just isn't how things work. It was the opposite of the performance curve. Yes. And, and that's the most difficult part is to replicate that on the multiple lines to get multiple grooves working again, it seems. Um, so if that's a part of that, in when the time is right, as Greg Hill said, that would be a, a much welcome change. While it's going to be frustrating for many in terms of the building progress, the the positives of getting a new tire model and getting it right to bring that in with while bringing in tires that match what they are in real life. Big reference, for example, to say the road tires on the NASCAR Cup cars going the opposite way you would expect them, for example, then I think that would be much welcome. It certainly will be, and we'll see how this will play out when it gets released. We'll learn more information as it goes on. Uh, more information also on some licensing issues or matters. Uh, the road racing licensing system will see a significant addition in the near future as they look to improve experience of racing. So a couple of things that I can think of regarding this licensing system, Justin, is could we possibly see a split in the road racing licensing system between a road racing for sports car and endurance racing and then a split to the open wheel side? Because if you think about it, our road racing system is basically multiple different lanes that you could go to compared to the oval side, which if you think about it, it's pretty straightforward. You start off in a Legends cars, you try to work up into the NASCAR Cup Series, or for those who want to try to be World Championship competitors, you have to go through all the way up to the World Championship with the E-NASCAR. Meanwhile, here on the roadside, you have a little bit more different areas. Of course, we have two different road racing world championships with the Turn GP Delara Championship and the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. But if you think about it, when we think of the top echelons of sports car and endurance racing, we think of prototypes and GT3 now. Yeah, that is an interesting part of this development report because it has been something requested. It's worth noting that one of the more popular requests for the licensing system is to go with by car class, like by Chevy or not by Chevy, by NASCAR Cup, by NASCAR Truck, by NASCAR Xfinity, along that route. So if you go by car class, that might be the bridging of the two that you're talking about there to where you get the by car type that people are requesting, but having it in a way where it's not repetitive to where you have to run multiple races of every car to get a good license to qualify with that car for any of the upper tier side of things. It's that's going to be 
The most difficult part, though, is how do you score who's got what ratings? How does this play out? Do you have an oval equivalent that gets added to the licensing system, too? Because it's not as easy to split up the, the iRacing system because you have the short track ladder. Then you have the NASCAR ladder that are bar, part of that same system. And the only crossover for a fifth licensing system, technically, it's a big conversation if we even go that route on the open wheel side right now. So there's so much thought on that where, okay, what do you do with do the fifth? What happens if you need a sixth? What becomes that sixth here? Well, honestly, I think, and that's what this partially has to say or step in with this, Justin, as far as the partnership that they have now with the FIA moving forward with especially the brand new or the partnership to where we have a FIA Formula 4 car instead of the IR04. So, you know, with that partnership, that means we could possibly, at least for we can say pretty much on here, Formula One style racing, maybe not unfortunately for the American open wheel side right now until things get worked out if that were to happen. But for the, you know, American side or that side, we could see a lot of things change for that matter to where we could see an updated Formula Three car, a brand new Formula Two car. And we have also the most current Formula One car at the moment. You could argue though, in terms of, that's car we will not name fully. That respective car even runs more so on road courses than ovals in real life. It yeah. does. So so that's the difficult part if you were to twin that system, too, is you're talking about making a class for illegitimate conversation points here for a car that's top tier runs on an oval three times a year currently. Currently, yes. But I mean, I have to say regarding with that, series that whole series if it were to return to iRacing which there is possibility you know depending on what happens to the rival company that's currently has the licensing system even if they were to get it you still have one car you're missing in that ladder plus you have to update the other two cars that are in a part of that ladder yeah there's a lot that has to go into the stop process. It, it and, does. And there's an important step to this that does go to that route you're talking about. At the very end, and this is the more interesting, the most interesting part that kind of raises some flags. With a platform like iRacing, you have multiplayer, right? Mm-hmm. As it's the core part. Do you ex? What is the expectation or rather how it would work for a career mode on iRacing. Because that was the biggest question to me reading that development was, how does this work? Well, here's my thought regarding this career mode. First and foremost, if iRacing were to do a quote-unquote career mode, iRacing would basically take hold of the entire PC racing world. If you think about it, here's my thought on this. If I we see iRacing now added AIs racing for the past few years now, they're continuously adding new cars to the AI lineup and in order for people. And originally, the AI was just meant to maybe use as a training, but who's not to say that they're working on to prepare to build a career mode for basically, if you think about it, single, play, single player use. Granted, we love online racing, you know, for those of us who want to race with our friends 
online and meet new people and race in some of the biggest events. But if you also think about it, a lot of people don't really like, sometimes don't want to do the online racing because of maybe having to deal with people that are not, you know, you don't want to always go in there and end up getting involved in an incident, point blank. You know, I personally, I only race a few special events and a league. Most of the time, I'm doing time trials, per se, or racing on there, and just learning the cars and the tracks. I don't really go into official racing anymore because of the chaos that has ensued <laughs> with some of these official races. And I think, honestly, that's what maybe the, a lot of people in the iRacing community and those in iRacing are maybe seeing as well. I mean, if you think about it, they've cut off several official series and kind of flip-flopped them. You saw that with the Formula Rental series that are now being swapped out each and every other season. You know, a couple of other cars that are being taken out and put in, replaced with new cars as well. So, Justin, I think this here is also a stepping stone for those who want to maybe see what iRacing can do if they had the chance to maybe build a game or a sim that was single-player career mode to showcase the talent. We already saw it with the World of Outlaws game that they did for consoles, but now can they do it with other forms of racing? And that would be the biggest thing, because... You can argue all you want about, oh, can iRacing bring this to, say, a console? They have monster games on the dirt side, obviously. But if you want the true one-to-one iRacing side, it can't just be a multiplayer game. You have to have a career mode base on a console. You have to, to be able to bring in those who do not have that ability on the, to have an online connection, for example. Otherwise, you end up cutting off a significant part of the market that can't download a game, the game, let alone play it online fully. So that being said, there's a lot of thought on how you have to do it because it's not as simple as let's make a roster of cars and tracks you can go to each year and go from there. Because when you say career mode, that means, and this is something they did touch upon with the authentic nature of what iRacing and real world racing is all about that. What comes to mind there is the ability to upgrade cars. That comes to mind an ability to build your own team. That comes to mind if I think career mode on having teammates somehow in the AI form. All of that comes to mind as a dream career mode. And a lot of those features I just mentioned are ones people are clamoring for on the stock car side alone because of, well, the last game that they had is still on fire in the pits. This has a chance, if they do it right, to possibly bring in tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if they get it right on the first swing. Well, did you not hear recently that NASCAR is about to make an announcement of a brand new video game coming out here pretty soon? I wouldn't be surprised if they're connected. Uh, I wouldn't either. If you think about it, this if if this were to happen and, you know, we're already seeing the downfall of one of the competitors. So and we're not talking about, you know, one of the other Sims. That's that's a different story. We're talking about the ones who own said competitors in that whole management group. There's talks that they are actually going to be non-existent by 
before the end of 2023. That's how severe in the rumors and talks, as well as news outlets, have been saying that this company will be no longer in existence. And the only thing really leaves the door open is basically they've failed to uphold creating a game for NASCAR. They've refused or have failed to uphold creating a game for the American open wheel scene. And really the only thing that's keeping them somewhat in contention is their partnership with the World Endurance Championship. But even that causes some controversy when they try to build their 24-hour series races, which has caused severe issues in the past. Granted, not to say iRacing has had issues with their big endurance races. You can think of constantly, you know, a couple of years ago with their chance when they did the 24 of Le Mans on iRacing, how there was some drops in some of the higher splits and then other controversies with other special endurance races as well. But that's still small compared to what the other company has claimed that they were planning on doing, but has failed to uphold and do. All of this is going to be intriguing. It is. And, and if, like, honestly, if this were to happen, where we get a career mode, not just for iRacing, for ourselves, for those who are on the PC to race, but if they were able to do this for a console game, you are looking at probably the biggest... What would be the proper word, probably? The biggest explosion of sim racing growth than what we have seen probably in the past probably since iRacing was released. If not, maybe even before, back when NR2003 was one of the top sim racing games. And we already know that has a single-player career mode that you can do, along with some of the other games that was back with EA Sports back in the day. And I continue to look more into a lot of the detail because it's worth noting, too, on top of the various announcements, Greg Hill did go a little bit into detail about a couple other notes, like the ability to have multiple car classes. That is going to be very indeed helpful. But in turn, it's important to mention a lot of this is still up for not just debate, but also in terms of up for announcement, up for solidification, if you could really argue for. And all of this, too, is going to take at least probably up to two three years to come to fruition, if we're yes. being realistic here. They did expand their team to double the size, they report. Yes, they, they claim. So in all their departments. Important. Yes. So there is a lot of progress. Even on the oval refresh, we mentioned with the temperatures for the tires, there's even an extra screenshot he provided later on after the announcement, not including the initial press release, that shows they've been playing around with how the heat just builds into the racetrack, let alone get things right. So all of this is to be said. The future going to be very very busy out in Massachusetts for them. Well, we haven't even touched on probably the one that everyone's talking about, and that's the rain. <laughs> yeah, well, that with everything else, that kind of drains out the rain, does it not? It, it doesn't. It does. And looking at some of the pictures that they released, they're still working on it. They, are, they haven't given official release date yet for it. But looking at some of the pictures, it looks phenomenal. It look. I have to say this. It looks better than any other sim racing game out there that has rain, whether it be console or PC. Just the graphic look. There's a couple of things they're still tweaking on. Like uh, I noticed when one of the pictures with the Porsche, the, the rooster tail sprays, 
don't look quite right. They're getting close to it, but just maybe a small little bit of critique will make it look spot on. Like, some of these pictures look like it's actually race cars on a racetrack in the rain if you didn't tell someone that's iRacing. It's close, you're right. Now that I look at close scrutiny, but it's that's the biggest thing is they're taking their time because they not only need to take the time to get it right, because if they get it wrong, then it's going to be very negative compared to the very positive flow to start all this. But also, they've now got expanded resources to do this. Before, it might have been a lot more tricky. When you expand the team like they claim they have so much, you you now put a lot of more immense pressure in saying, okay, we need to throw as many people as we got to get this done. Yes. Now, we don't know when that ha will happen for rain, but I have a feeling we will see rain happen. Just guessing. This is not official. This is not confirmed. This is not even in the update. I have a feeling before 2023 is over. I'm not saying even we will get it in this coming build, but before the 2023 calendar year is complete, we could see raindrops out on the racetrack in iRacing. It could be close. That's the thought. But yep. with the rate they've been going, I wouldn't be surprised to see it a couple builds after that with how they've been trying to get this right because you have to get it right not just on one track, not just on 10, not just on 30, but you're talking about every single track. They've got to get the physics right. Yes, they certainly do. With that, though, Justin, a lot to look forward to in the coming years of iRacing. But with this, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to discuss some of the top world championship series that have had some of their races this week in iRacing. And also, we will have, joining us later on in the show, winner from the Ian Ascar Coca-Cola iRacing series at New Hampshire, driver of the number 15 Big Green Egg Machine of Garrett Lowe on the download. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Taylor Burris here, along with Justin Prince, our producer Richard Colbreth, as we look at reviewing the world championships in the world of iRacing, touching on, of course, first and foremost, the iRacing World of Outlaws Butt Kicker Late Model Series was at Cedar Lake, and Blake Vajulis takes home his second win of the season, going two for two over Evan C., as they battled out at Cedar Lake. And the Majula C draw combination just continues to just pay dividends. We talked with both of those drivers already with Evan C and Blake Majulis, both of them lightning fast all campaign. And when you look at how things broke down, they were about as a combo, eight tenths of a second quicker than the majority of the field. It's hard to do that week in, week out, and they've been able to do so, it seems, week in and week out. And Majulis, keep in mind, just about let every single green flag lap. 
with how things played out. The one downside, one of the drivers towards the back of the field, Chase Hardy with Caden Honeycutt getting into some big trouble with Hardy going upside down in the first four laps. Yeah, tough break for him as Chase Hardy was not really in a good place and unfortunately will receive a DNF and not a whole lot of points as he is looking to try and stay, hang on as best he can, but it's going to be a tough battle ahead of him as he tries to stay within the top 20 or at least even in the chance to return for 2024 for the World of Outlaws. Yeah, keep in mind, James Evans, once again, doing well. He's been very consistent over the years. Top three, he's fourth in the championship after the race. J.D. Brown, Dylan Yeager, another top five run in his career to add to the totals as well. A lot of the newcomers towards the back end of the field with some rougher runs. But Evans C, seven points up over Blake Majewis, his business partner. Kendall Tucker, right on behind with that sixth place run, third of the points, 28 back of C. But somebody needs to find a way to eat into the speed they built up. Majulis and C have, if they want to try and dethrone those two from the top two spots. It's going to be a long battle, and especially with the next round at Port Royal Speedway for the fourth round of the championship. It's going to be interesting to see how well they will be able to battle out. Of course, Port Royal is one of the newest dirt oval tracks on the platform, and Hard to believe that this track was released a year ago already. We'll see the action on Monday, July 31st at 9 p.m. on Dirt Vision and twitch.tv forward slash iRacing. One word has to come into play, though, Justin, for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series Redemption. After the previous round at Nashville, where Garrett Lowe was basically punted out of the way to take home the win at or to lose the victory at Nashville over Jimmy Mullis, he comes back in dominant fashion to be able to take, basically return the favor and steal a win away from dominant driver Donovan Strauss from Williams Esports to take home his first career win of the season. And get himself into the playoffs too. And here's the major kicker for those who have not heard much about that. Have you ever heard of Kyle Petty's protest paint scheme? I have not. Well... Back in the 1990s, this is 1996, Kyle Petty, during the Coca-Cola 600 that year, was given a penalty, a five-lap penalty for rough driving after trying to get his lap back in a similar manner to, compared to, say, Dale Earnhardt. Well, to protest, they showed up at Dover the next week with the exact same paint scheme as Dale Earnhardt and lined up in the next position back at him after qualifying with a message on the door saying, Trudeau es justo and amor y carreras, which roughly translates to, from Spanish to English, all is fair in love and race cars. That message from Felix Sabatis, the team owner for Kyle Petty at the time. <laughs> As to be expected after the drama that built up and the tempers with Jim Beaver on social media after the race, they elected to portray that same message to the point where if you looked at the back bumper of Garrett Lowe's car, he put in the exact position that he was hit by Jimmy Mullis at Nashville. JM was here and also put in the back bumper that hooking is not a crime. Uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. I see you see you get a good shot of it from, of course, photographer Justin Malulo 
with some of these pictures right there on the quarter pan or right there on the rear bumper. You see both of those stickers. It's kind of hilarious. Good little nudge in the racing action. Of course, it's Garrett Lowe, Zach Novak, Donovan Strauss, Michael Conti, and Wyatt Tinsley, your top five finishing order in this race at New Hampshire. And with that, we have to take a look at the championship because there's only one more race before we go into the playoffs. Currently, it is Michael Conti, Jordy Lopez, Tucker Minter, Casey Kerwin, Stephen Wilson, Bobby Zelensky, and Garrett Lowe are locked in with their wins. Here's the question, though. Nick Ottinger, Graham Bolin, Malik Ray, Parker White, Michael Cozy Jr., Matt Busa are not locked in with points. And Jimmy Mullis, even though he has a win, he's right there on the edge where he needs to make sure he stays ahead of the top 20 to be locked in to the, the playoffs. Yeah, for Mullis, has to be consistent. It has to be a good finish to the regular season for Mullis, or else that's sigh relief for some of the others. Now, the pressure is absolutely on if he does maintain the top 20 positioning, though, because that means only two drivers with points. Nick Oninger, I think he can say he's a virtual lock of the points. As long as there's two no two new winners in the next couple weeks. Graham Bowen, a little bit borderline, depending on what could happen. Malik Ray is the one I think that has to be hoping, along with Parker White, that there's no new winners, but also Moes falls out. Because it's either him, Parker, or Michael Cozy Jr. or Matt Busa who would fall out depending on what happens with Jimmy Mullis well, and what it, happens the next couple of weeks. And will, the, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you first, Justin. I was about to say, the reason I mentioned a lot of those names, Pocono is next, and that's a fixed setup race. What? That is not a super speedway fixed setup race. It's an oval slash non-super speedway fixed race. You know who runs a lot of fixed races? Blake Ray. Parker White, Michael Cozy Jr., Matt Busa. That plays into their strengths. The question is, which one will run well in NIS Fixed Coke Edition? Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that will play out. But you also got to think about, too, is a lot of things have to come into play for those drivers. Currently, like you said, Nick Ottinger is pretty safe to move on. The only question marks is going to be Jimmy Mullis if he stays in the top 20 and Graham Bolin. Because Malik, Parker, and Michael Cozy Jr., they have to make sure they have to run a perfect race, which either means a win or a top three. And they also got to hope that one of those other drivers that are behind them, such as Mullis and Graham Bolin, don't have great races. And the heartbreaking part, I think, or rather the most frustrating part in case Malik Ray is, it's his best ever season. It's not even close. He's going from a 30th place driver to a top 10 driver in points. And that'd be absolutely frustrating to me as a driver to have your best season, but because you didn't get into victory lane, you can't battle for the postseason. In Malik's case, I wouldn't be surprised if the intensity level went up to 200. Yeah. It's going to be crazy to see how it all will play out for these drivers as they head to the tricky triangle for the regular season finale. It has been confirmed Michael Conti wins the regular season championship already but still a lot to come into play. 
couple of other notes to touch on in the world of iRacing. The iRacing Off-Road World Championship had an exhibition race at Crandon with the Pro 2 Trucks. Edmonds, Josh Edmondson and Connor Berry take the wins there at that. No points on the line. It was just literally running an exhibition all-star event, which was exciting and chaotic. But those two definitely came out on top. And as they look their way forward into the all-star race currently, the points are as follows. Luke Knup, Knup is currently your points leader ahead of Zachary Jarapkin and Bo Albert for the All-Star Series in the Pro 4 Esports. And then the Pro 4 Celebrity is Travis Solenberg, Adam Briggs, and Keenan Kuzin who are leading the points in that. The next round for the iRacing Off-Road World Championship heads to Wild West Motorsports Park at 8 p.m., I'll, of course, catch all the action, which will be next week, which will be leading into August the 2nd. So let's tune in for that. A couple of things also, Justin. The Firecracker 400 has been going on right now with Eraser, and a lot of people are excited about that action. Yes, it actually just completed itself on June the 26th in a photo finish. After the big one struck with 20 laps to go, it came down to late race restarts. Two drivers were able to break through the chaos coming out of turn two after a 10-car pileup to battle it for the race win. Ryan Doucette and Logan Helton. It was Logan Helton who picked up the victory, though, by five one-thousandths of a second for the biggest win in his sim racing career for Nexus Esports. Doucette attempted to try and get the run to the bottom of the racetrack by dooring and slamming all the way to the stripe. But Helton prevails after being close in major events for years and years. This adds to what's been a very lengthy list of strong runs and special events for Car 63. It's exciting. And of course, that series always puts on some exciting, that whole organization puts on some exciting racing to watch, especially utilizing the 1987 Cup cars at tracks such as Daytona and Talladega. Quick note on the eNASCAR Road to Pro Qualifying iRacing Series. Daniel Budafuco currently has the points lead, holding on one point over Taylor Hurst. Meanwhile, the drivers on the bubble spot, Agnel Phillip in 18th, Matthew Zwack 19th, Kenny Humphy holds that coveted 20th spot, Jack Coyne, Johnny Avela in 21st and 22nd as they get ready to head to Lucas Oil Raceway in a couple of weeks. So we'll see the action here happening very soon. A couple of other points we have to talk about as well. The This past weekend, the iRacing 24 Hours of Spa presented by Falcon Tires just ran recently, and it was an exciting event, to have to say. Yes, again, let's expect the excitement to be high when it comes to spa, especially when it comes to trying to perfect the perfect spa day race. And I'm not just talking about making sure you stay relaxed in the spa day. It was Team BMW Bank, though, who broke through as part of a four-car lead lap. 23 seconds over Mercedes-AMG Williams Esports. Also on the lead lap, Urano Esports data group keeping up a strong year. Team Redline rounding up the top four for the event. An interesting one to say the very least to add on to the history books. BMW Bank amongst those with drivers with real-world experience and virtual experience that really made headlines when they first broke through in some of the major events back in 2020. Finally, though, for the first time in a while, picking up the critical win here at Spa. It really is. It's going to be exciting to see. Of course, also a big event happening next week, August 3rd and the 4th. 
the iRacing for More 2.4 special event, benefiting the National Multiple Sclerosis Society as they will head to the virtual Circuit de 24 Hours du Mans, or Circuit de la Sarf, utilizing the GTP cars, the BMW M Hybrid V8, and the Cadillac V-Series R GT1 cars with the Aston Martin DBR9 and the Chevy Corvette C6R, and the Toyota GR86. One thing to keep in mind with this, Justin, as we saw last year, this event will be broadcasted, and Race Control will inform the top split as who will be broadcasted, and there will be some of those exciting moments where if you donate a certain amount, certain things could happen for you, or be disadvantages for other drivers in the event. And as we saw last year as well, big announcements were happening during this broadcast. And I think having the race at the French countryside kind of says a ton, Taylor, because to be honest, the words French countryside, I'm so used to saying French countryside at the racetrack. You said, I forgot it actually has a racetrack name. So it that does. should say a lot. It certainly is. And I have to say, this is kind of exciting that we're actually going to be racing on the French countryside instead of racing at Road Atlanta, which we were racing at last year. So Kind of exciting, kind of a maybe, could this mean we could see a return for this hallowed special event maybe in 2024? Well, in order to find out, make sure to go and watch this event next Thursday night. It's going to be exciting, exhilarating, a lot of things to happen. We're going to talk about it, but... We're going to take a commercial break, but when we come back, we're sitting down with your race winner from New Hampshire, Garrett Lowe, on the download. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Earlier on in the show, we talked about the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series and about Garrett Lowe and how he performed at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, picking up the victory at the Magic Mile, his third ever victory in the Coke Series, and his first in 2023. Picked up that victory after coming through after an eventful finish at Nashville, to say the very least, and in turn bringing a very intriguing paint scheme, as talked about in the similar vein to the protest filed in the past by Kyle Petty, to Dale Earnhardt in the 1990s, made famous by Felix Sabanas as well, back then in the following race from the Coke 600 to Dover. Garrett Lowe now joins us here on the iRacers Download. Garrett, first things first, welcome back to Victory Lane and welcome to the playoffs. How does it feel to pick up the win 
the week after the events at Nashville in this paint scheme. Yeah, thank you guys. I uh, appreciate you having me on. It's it's been a uh, quite a hectic week. Um, been hearing from a lot of people, uh, which is always good to hear. Uh, friends from school, friends from racing, reaching out. Uh, I think everyone kind of got a kick out of it, um, which we, we had to poke a little bit of fun at it, um, just because of the circumstances. And the Jim Beaver guys were, you know, absolutely 100% on my side the whole way through. And uh, I'm really glad we had a sense of humor about it and were able to put on a good show on Tuesday night to pick up a win and lock into the playoffs. Let's first talk about the race in a month itself because you started off with track position early, top three in the qualifying run, but in turn, able to keep up the, at the front for just about the entire way. How would you describe how things varied out to try and get yourself up at the point, especially with drivers like the 41 slip and sliding that seemed on the outside groove at one point? Yeah, the track was really slick on the outside lanes, and we'd kind of learned from practicing that it was probably going to produce some some interesting racing guys are going to be fighting for the bottom similar to how we saw it in Milwaukee uh, and I think we saw that towards the end of the race for everyone was fighting to get off the top uh, and it caused a few accidents which um, we kind of anticipated I believe once we got that first caution we we kind of figured we were going to have more uh, so we made the call to stay out um, even though with the older tires we just we didn't want to get back in traffic uh, so we decided to stay at the front and see if we could make it work and uh, fortunately for us there was enough mix of green flag racing uh, and some restarts to keep us up front. And once we grabbed the lead uh, from there, we were just in control and we were able to hold on. Yes, indeed. And it's very eventful, I will say, to do this in the Kyle Petty protest style paint scheme. You mentioned that there was support all the way. Talk us first about the decision to, for the week after the events of the final corner contact between you and Jimmy Mullis to bring this paint scheme and in turn the discussion point to bring it to the racetrack in itself. Yeah, we, we kind of bounced around the idea and uh, I was on a call. <laughs> I was on a call with the media guys and they were like, Hey, how do you, how do you feel about doing this? And I was like, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, upset anybody or, you know, point fingers or anything, but yeah, I feel like it'd be pretty funny uh, to show up with that. And, they're like, okay, well, if you're on board, we'll do it. Um, so, so yeah, they, they decided to do it. Um, I had little to no input. I was like, you guys run with every, whatever you think uh, will turn out best um, and kind of supports our theme. And, yeah, and Big Green Egg was obviously on board with it as well, which, you know, appreciate their support throughout this season. I know uh, everyone's used to the familiar green and white car, um, but I think we've, we've kind of made a point um, with the matte black car and, we're debating on keeping it for the rest of the season. Uh, I think you'll, you'll see it show up at Pocono simply because of the turnaround. Um, but once we get to the playoffs there, I think we're going to take a take a look at it and see what we can do to make it look a, a little bit nicer with the playoff decaling uh, and go from there and see if we can run with the championship for it. And you mentioned the potential of you keeping the paint scheme going. That's going to be the most intriguing part because... On the back bumper are the two big details I noticed. The hooking is not a crime bumper sticker. And the JM was here didn't decal. Those are some intriguing details added by the media team. It sounds like a Jim Beaver. 
Yeah, these guys like to have a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, most of these guys were good friends with Ken Block uh, back in the Rallycross days. And with his passing over the offseason, uh, we made it a point to not only run tribute schemes for the first race at Daytona, which turned out fantastic, uh, but also you see his logo uh, decal on C-Post and then the Hooning's Not a Crime on the back, uh, which was something he was always big on. And then the Jimmy Mullis thing was was just kind of we had to we had to kind of poke fun at him. I think everyone realized uh we were going to be a force to be reckoned with once we showed up after after nashville so yeah we decided to poke fun at it a little bit we didn't want to be like too too enthusiastic about about that kind of racing so we felt like we made a good point with it and it was poking fun at everybody uh but also keeping it respectful and the big point that was mentioned in the post-race recaps especially because here is the major difference, it seems, too, that some people have lost in translation. In the real-world situation with Kyle Petty and that protest paint scheme from Felix Sabatis to Dale Earnhardt, it was basically about how Dale Earnhardt can get away with rougher driver than anything else. There's a great video by NASCAR Man, actually, about this that's voiced by Brock Beard that goes into the details thought and goes into the history of rough driving penalties that happened after where they actually calmed down to the point where there were rarely any calls for it for three seasons after this protest paint scheme. But it was mentioned that Jim Beaver Sports thought was less aggression across the board. So intrigue on that conversation point. What was what's your take on the message that you felt this paint scheme sent? Well, we wanted to pay homage to the Petty family as well, especially when you come to New Hampshire. So it was kind of a twofold deal. One, we were kind of protesting the over-aggressiveness in racing for wins that we've seen over the last four or five races. And as well, it was just, it was something we could do to, I guess, get a, a very intimidating paint scheme on the racetrack. Uh, and anytime you can do that is, is certainly important. Uh, having your, your competitors see that makes a statement and then we were able to go out and, and make an even bigger statement in the race. So overall, um, like I said, it was, it was really just kind of a culmination of things. It was, it was just the best we could come up with. And we thought it, it fit really well. Uh, although it was, it might seem a little, a little challenging uh, to keep up with, with just how the whole protest uh, worked out. We we're really just protesting the aggressive driving, not so much the, I guess, the, what what the Petty and Felix Abadis had really gone for back then. It was yeah. a different take on it. And I will say the aggression levels across the board on the platform have picked up a fair bit. How how would you say that that aggression level has been on the racetrack this season? I think the first first three or four races, it was pretty respectful, uh, but that you typically you see that the first three or four races is we have a bunch of rookies come in and Everyone's not quite sure of the expectations. So, like I said, I mean, you usually see that the first three or four races, but then once we start to get towards the playoffs, everyone, you know, the intensity ramps up and everyone wants to, you know, get that extra couple spots. And that's where we see this flurry of cautions towards the end of these races now, which is another thing that, you know, us drivers don't like. Like, we want to be able to race. We want to go run, you know, 150 or 300 mile race. We don't want to have to run this, you know, 100 mile races that we're kind of stuck with. So we've been fighting as drivers to get the longer races back because they turn out uh, to kind of be a slugfest at the end where you're just going to knock the guy out of the way in front of you, which is not the way we want to race uh, at the end of the day. So, yeah, definitely for sure. It, it takes a, a different mindset once you get past this point of the season, but certainly one you have to look out for. So now, 
on the bright side, you're now into the battle for the playoffs with the lock-in. 13th in the points now currently, but with the win, of course, you get the chance to battle in the playoffs. How big is that, first of all, for the Jim Beaver team to be able to get yourself now in that battle? And it now, in turn, causes a little bit of playoff intrigue, especially since your Nashville rival, so to speak, is still trying to battle to make sure he's above the cut line. Yeah, I mean, first off, it's great to get Jim Beaver his first win in the series um, and that whole team, as well as get their first playoff appearance, which is something I'm really striving for. Um, so far, I've made the playoffs four out of five years, four out of five seasons. So it was something that was important to me was to get back in the playoffs, and I felt like it was a, a team that I could definitely do it with, and I had everyone's support to do it along the way, from Legacy Esports to Jim Beaver and Big Green Egg. So, yeah, we, we just made it a priority to make the playoffs, and we got it done. But now we do have to go face the rest of the field uh, and teams that have been really good this season. The Conti cars have been fast a lot of almost every week. Uh, same thing with the Coanda Alliance. So, yeah, we're going to have some some challenges along the way. But now that we're in the playoffs, we, we have a mindset to just go make the Final Four and see what we can make happen. Well, there is the potential of a different mindset next time out because it's the final regular season event at Pocono. And here is the tough part. It's a fixed setup race. What's your take on the fixed setup race? We've heard a lot of discussion, for example, from drivers from Bobby Zelensky on this potential, who alluded to this race coming up with the fixed set. What's your opinion on it and why? Well, um, I'm not a fixed setup fan as far as outside of outside of the super speedways. I think it doesn't have quite a place. Um, I've said this before and with other drivers, and I think I have some agreements, is that the having the second plate race or super speedway race be fixed absolutely fine nobody wants to have their team spend hours working on a setup for talladega where you know you're probably going to get wrecked anyway so i agree with that i also agree with having one of the road courses be fixed if we're going to have two road courses let's have one be open one be fixed i think that promotes not only health in the open setup community but also just showing driver talent same thing at super speedways but i disagree with it when it comes to tracks that really would require setup building skill. It's something that I enjoy. I enjoy building setups with my teammates uh, and my setup builders. I enjoy working with them. I enjoy making changes. So to take that away, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that, quite quite honestly, but I understand where they're coming from, and this series is trying to mix it up a little bit. So we'll see what happens and how that works out, um, but it'll be interesting for sure. On that note, Garrett, where can fans keep an eye on your social media to follow on with you as you get set for the playoff battle once more? Yes, you can keep up with all my racing, real life, and sim racing, as well as some of my Formula SAE stuff uh, with UNC Charlotte at Garrett Lowe Racing on Facebook and Instagram, and Garrett Lowe underscore six on Twitter. Well, X now, but Twitter. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time. Once again, Garrett, again, congratulations on the victory in the McCombie Setup Shop 110. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Once again, that's Garrett Lowe picking up the victory for Jim Beaver Esports and the race with the 101 at the end of 110. But regardless, picking up the victory to come into the playoffs. In turn, though, it's time to say goodbye. For Taylor Burris, for Richard Colbreth, I'm Justin Prince saying so long. Enjoy the rest of your day or evening. You've been listening to the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by my race pass. <laughs>